Jesus. This is ridiculous. All right, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Put your window down! You want some? Uh, he's probably drunk. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He said we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. What a moron. They're going in the wrong direction. You're going to kill somebody. This is the Pat Brothers Podcast. Here are your hosts, David and Michael. Greetings, salutations, and all that jazz from sunny Orlando, Florida, the city beautiful. This is the Pat Brothers Podcast. I'm David Pack, and joining me as always is my identical twin brother, Michael. Hello, all of you out there in podcast land. Thank you for listening. All right, we are coming up on a uh, holiday. Today is, should we say the date when we're recording these, or should we just leave it out? I think we can just suffice it to say that a major holiday is around the corner. Yeah, I'm looking on my uh, table and I see a, a cornucopia, a little horn of plenty, a uh, really big bugle uh, snack. <laughs> Not a bugle like a horn, a bugle oh. like the snack you put on the end of your the fingers. The delicious snack that can substitute as a fingernail. Uh, now, Thanksgiving is coming up, and that means road trips. Absolutely, road trips. Most people are... Uh, well, I wouldn't say most people, but there's a fair amount of people that are going to be traveling to be visiting their families to enjoy Thanksgiving dinner and the holiday around this time of year. The the folks who are in charge of the travel guides or the uh, news travel uh, section of that say this is the busiest travel day of the year. I think they say that about every major holiday, though. Um, I think I they just want to have people watch their show. I think you're right if it's going to be... Christmas, it's going to be leaving for Christmas, going to Thanksgiving. St. Patrick's Day. Right, exactly. Arbor Day. It's always the busiest, <laughs> the busiest travel day of the year. And that's why this episode is brought to you by Apple Maps, the auto reroute feature that saves us uh, quite a bit of time when we're uh, traveling down the road. I know it saved us quite a bit when we were going from Indiana to Florida. The little voice would pop up and say, you can choose a faster route, and it will save X number of minutes. And 
it detects, you know, if there's a bunch of traffic ahead of you, or if there's an accident or something, there's a report, then they route you around and it just works pretty great. Oh, absolutely. I think of the times when we were kids and we would be taking trips to visit family and we would sometimes encounter heavy traffic and when you're on the road, especially back then in the in the olden days when cell phones weren't even really a thing except if you were really wealthy and even then it was a large item that was, you know, heavier than a brick and uh, only a few people had them. There was no smartphone capability, certainly no GPS. But you'd encounter this wall of uh, traffic and you wouldn't know why it was there. You just knew you weren't going to go anywhere for a while. Just grin and bear it. That was, that was, your, uh, that was your choice. Pretty much, yeah. Because I would not be adventurous enough to just take a turn off into the wilderness and hope that it gets me there. No, I am... Hopefully, I'm hopeless when it comes to directions. I don't know my way around very well. It takes me a long time when I go to a new place to learn how to get to a certain place. I'm more apt to, if I know one route between point A and point B, I'm going to stick with that route. I'm not going to deviate. And uh, I am a landmark navigator, not a turn east, turn west navigator. Right. If, if the sun is coming up, I know that's east. If the sun's going down, I know that's west. And that's about where my direction ends. Yes, certain as the sun rises in the east. Uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, so a lot of folks in Indiana, you know, and they, everything's laid out in a grid in Indiana, it seems, with regards to the county roads and even some of the smaller roads and uh if they're giving directions to you, they'll say, well, turn east or turn north or even, oh, look, at this is the north side of the building. This is the east side of the building. And I don't know. I don't know which side is north and east unless the sun is rising or sinking at a certain time of day. Then it's pretty obvious. But other than that, I, you're not really going to clue me in on what you're trying to get me to understand there. Definitely not. But that's pretty much what we're going to talk about today, uh, not being lost, but uh, road trips. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. How do we pass the time on road trips? Because that can be, especially with a long road trip, that can turn into a little monotony. Yeah. When you're a kid, uh, nowadays, I, you don't know how good you have it, kids, because you've got smartphones, you've got all kinds of portable video game systems that you can enjoy. Movies. Uh, right. There's tons of different entertainment options in the vehicle where it's going to be much more of a pleasant experience than what was the de rigueur when uh, we were growing up. Now, what do we have? I mean, I guess we had Walkmans eventually, but not when we were younger. It's just basically look out the window and talk mm -hmm. to each other. That mm -hmm. sounds horrible, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, imagine that, engaging in conversation with your family. Oh, dread horror. <laughs> I don't make the time just crawl by, won't it? I mean, I guess we would sometimes play the license plate game, trying to... What is the license plate game? The license plate game is when you're driving down the interstate, you're going to see other cars, and if you look at their license plate, sometimes, uh, you know, you're not going to see just a whole bunch of West Virginia or a whole bunch of Florida. You may see uh, license plates from various states or even Canadian territories or overseas. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, who knows what you're going to find. And so you just get a little paper and you write down each one you see and try to see if you can get all 50. I don't think we ever got all 50, but we I'm not did, sure. We did pretty good. I think we got 40 plus one time. I think that's right. And 
you know, I don't think we played anything with a goal of, okay, you spotted it first, so that's a point for you. That no. probably would have been a recipe for an argument. Yeah, the only competitive thing I think we ever did on that line was I believe we had a travel bingo one time that you could, maybe with Cracker Barrel they sold it? I'm not sure, but it was I like a, a barn or a flag or... Yeah, they had. I guess the, the weird things. Yeah, the concept of it was you would look out the window and you would try to spot the different objects that were on your bingo card, with the goal of filling it in, and of course, declaring bingo. Uh, there was no prize, I guess. No, no. To say bragging right. Yeah, I won and you lost, and let's play again. I mean, there the scenery doesn't change. I mean, nowadays when you're on the interstate, you're not going to see a whole lot other than exit signs and. Uh, semi trucks and things like yeah. that. Gas stations and fast food, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. So nowadays, my preferred method of passing the time on a road trip is audiobooks. Oh, oh, yeah, very much so. Big fan of audiobooks. If you uh, are not a member of audible.com, as a free plug, we could have had the episode brought to you by audible.com. We missed a trick. Yep. We could have co-sponsors, I guess, but Audible.com, or really, I guess, any other audiobook provider, I think Audible.com is probably the one I'm the most familiar with, and they make it very simple to use. Uh, It's a great way to spend or to pass the time on a long road trip. If you can get immersed in a good book, it can really make a difference with how quickly the time can pass. Yeah, but you don't want to get too into the book or... Sometimes you will find yourself in trouble. There's been at least one or two times where I know that we've been listening to a book on the way to somewhere, on the way somewhere, from somewhere, and we just blew by the exit we were supposed to take because we were in another <laughs> land at the time. <laughs> right, just completely lost in whatever book that we were trying to enjoy. Uh, I, that Laura Hillebrand book, uh, Unbroken? Un- yeah, I couldn't remember the name of it. I was trying to think of it. Unstoppable? It's not Unbreakable. That's an I M. Think Night it's Shyamalan movie. I think it's Unbroken. Maybe it's Unbroken, yeah. Story of Louis Zamperini, and that's a very interesting book. If you haven't enjoyed that, I would give that a solid recommendation. I haven't seen the movie, but I hear that the book's better. And yep. That's usually the case. Well, that is true. I don't know why that's kind of a trope or a cliche that the book is better. I think it's because the book can give you a little bit more insight into the characters, into what the characters are thinking. And even with a book that is nonfiction, like Unbroken, you can get more detail than what is going to be possible in a even two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour movie. Right. There's only just so much stuff you can cram in. And, uh, and I'm not, you know, scared off by a, a book that's hours and hours long. The longer, the better. Uh, with some books, uh, you know, there are some that I've gotten to the point to where if I'm not into a book in the first hour or two, I don't finish it. And I used to be a big, uh, big into falling into the trap of the sunk cost fallacy. That's right. And what is that? The sunk cost fallacy is when you have spent a certain amount of time or investment into a certain uh, activity, such as reading a book or watching a movie, you have a willingness to see it through, even if you're not enjoying it, for fear that the time that you've already invested will be wasted if you don't finish it. Exactly. You don't want to get to the point where you say, oh, but I've already done that for so long. I, I want to, I, I, I've got to do it. Or 
I look at all the time I wasted, but by doing that, you're just wasting more time. Right. Don't don't choose to waste more time just because you've wasted time up until this point. I need to work on that with food. I think that's probably <laughs> one area where I think, well, I'm not really enjoying this meal, but it's almost gone, so I'll just go ahead and finish it. <laughs> I'm a member of the Clean Plate Club as well, so <laughs> um, maybe that's just the way I was raised. I'm afraid my parents are going to say something if I throw it away. I don't know. It's weird. A couple of other books or authors to look for, I know at least one would be Eric Larson. If you're looking for a really interesting audio book, that's... Eric Larson, L-A-R-S-O-N. He's written several books that were very entertaining. I know The Devil in the White City, uh, describing a murderer that was in Chicago at the same time of the uh, World's Fair. Is that 1892? I think 1892 World's Fair, yep. Um, and it's very, very interesting book. Yeah, he has done some other books as well. Isaac's Storm, which is about a, a flood. In uh, Texas, I believe. Yeah, Galveston, I think. Yes, Galveston, old Galveston. <laughs> and um, the, his uh, that last crossing of the Lusitania. Dead Wake. Dead Wake, yes, is another interesting book. He, you know, this is going to sound very cliche, but he makes history come alive. <laughs> right, not like literally. He doesn't bring up the dead and stuff like that. But he, is, he does have a good um, flair for trying to bring uh, history into uh, focus with regards to the amount of research that he does. He makes, it, he makes it accessible. Yeah, he will sometimes, he will take a few of the characters, uh, to use that term, in a non-fictional sense. He'll take some of the people who are alive and lived through the historical moment and will do some pretty extensive research into their lives to the point where he can speculate perhaps what they were thinking, uh, he'll take the historical records and draw conclusions that are based on the historical information that's available, and he can use it to weave a narrative that can be very entertaining and informative. Yes, exactly. And the narrator is so important on an audiobook, and it seems the audiobooks that he has either authorized or someone has done on his behalf, the narrator has been very excellent. I think of like the Harry Potter books too. Jim Dale was the narrator for those and <laughs> like Man of a Thousand Voices or whatever. He mm -hmm. had different voices for each of the different characters practically and he did a uh, unbelievably good job. It might be more of a superior ex uh, experience to enjoy those books as narrated by Jim Dale than actually read in whatever narrator lives in your head. Or do both. That is an interesting thing. <laughs> we didn't even plan to talk about that, but when you're reading a book, you know what voice do you give the person that you're uh, narrating? Because it's not just normally a monotone voice in your head. Right, that's a good point. But I think some of that is informed on any type of pop culture um, performance that might be related to that. So if you're talking about Harry Potter, for example, and you've seen the movies, do you give Daniel Radcliffe's voice to Harry Potter? Do you? I, do I you think you have to. Yeah. Well, it's the case could be made, I guess. Do you read it, quote unquote, silently to yourself in a British accent? <laughs> it does make it so much more classy. <laughs> I don't know that I would really honestly say that I do that. One thing that I do enjoy about audiobooks is you can increase the speed. Oh yeah, very important. 
you can play them at you know one x, which is normal speed, or you can bump it up to one point two five, one point five, and it doesn't necessarily give you the chipmunk phenomenon where they start sounding like they've been ingesting helium. And I talk fast anyway, so I think that helps me to listen fast. And it can, you can get through more books. It's a much better experience. And you can, uh, I, I listen to more books m than I read, unfortunately. But, uh, or maybe it is fortunately, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's a, a bad thing, honestly. But about 1.5x is about as fast as I would go. Two, if you start going double time, then it sounds a little weird. If it, yeah, right. If it's a really droning narrator, who talks very slowly, and there are just pauses that are built in for no apparent reason, then I think you could go up to 2x. You just kind of have to play around with it, see what you're capable of. 1.5 is probably what I go with most of the time. But, but narrator is important, certainly. I've had some books to where, especially if it's read by the author, that can be a really big pain. Uh, some mm -hmm. authors, maybe they either like the sound of their own voice, they couldn't find someone to narrate it, or um, they didn't want to pay for somebody else to narrate it. I don't know. But on the flip side of that, if it's an autobiography, then you want the author to read it. Like if you're listening to uh, an autobiography of Tim Conway, you want Tim Conway to read it, kind mm -hmm. of. I mean, he's a little... Annoying at some points, but yeah. it's his book. It's his <laughs> life. He should talk about it. Right. Yeah, I think we did listen to an audio book on that. If you don't know who Tim Conway is, <laughs> people are scratching their heads if they're under, I don't know, 40, maybe. Uh, he's dwarf. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, he's dwarf. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, among other things, he was a player on the Carl Burnett show. And now you're going to have to explain the Kerbinette show. This is going to become like <laughs> a long and winding road. <laughs> this nesting doll of different pop culture references. No, the Kerbinette show was just, what, it was mainly 70s? Was a 70s variety show. Comedy, right. singing sometimes. Look it up. Google it. Yeah, Google it. Uh, it is a lot to listen to, though. Uh, all different options, audio books. Hey, podcasts, too. That's you can right. just load up the old Pack Brothers podcast if you're going on a long trip and Save some episodes up. Re-listen to your some of your favorite ones. <laughs> right, you I'm sure you choose from. Yeah, you have all your favorites now, bookmarked and uh, selected and ready for your listening pleasure. Or you know, I guess you can just have the radio on to your favorite type of music. If you have satellite, you got a lot of options there, and just look out the window and enjoy the sights. That is one of the benefits of uh, satellite radio. I think is that's coast to coast by and large, except if you're in an area without a lot of coverage, and you can keep it tuned to the same channel. If you're going from state to state, especially on a long road trip that's facing us from Florida to West Virginia and back, then you might have a little trouble keeping that same genre of music dialed in. Um, nowadays, you can probably find some websites that let you know from state to state what type of station you need to listen to if you're looking for a certain variety of music or talk programming. But uh, back in the day, not so much. You just had to kind of wing it and one of the things you have to do on a road trip is eat. And that's one of my favorite things about a road trip, which is the chance to try new foods or new snacks. Uh, you can't really go into a restaurant and sit down and eat. At least I don't like to do that because I want to get on the road. I want to make good time. Just like if I'm going to go shopping somewhere, I know what I want. I get in and I get out. Yep, not a browser. 
Uh, you can certainly make good time on the road if you limit your stops to uh, fast food establishments. It does get a little bit uh, tiring after a while to eat fast food over and over again. I've had times in my life when I've really been too focused on fast food to be healthy <laughs> and uh, yeah. to the point that I don't want french fries anymore <laughs> because I'm tired of the taste of french fries. I'm tired of fries. I'm tired of greasy potato. Yeah, I'm tired of my food being beige. <laughs> exactly. Where it's all the same color when the bag is translucent, that's never good. And no, it's not no. supposed to be translucent. It's supposed to be a brown bag, but <laughs> you can see through it. That's, that's bad. Too much grease has gotten onto that uh, <laughs> bag, and now it's just it's not good. And sometimes the convenience stores are the way to go there because you can refuel the car and the passenger all at the same time. I guess that's why it's convenient. That could be kombini, as they call it in Japan. <laughs> yes, kombini. Convenience stores can be handy, especially if you're in another state. Sometimes they have local varieties of snacks that you don't get to try otherwise. It's a bit of a gamble. You might have something that's not going to be up to the same quality as you're going to get from a Lay's or a, a Doritos brand, Frito-Lay, I guess I should say. Yeah, that's right. But, but you can find some hidden gems. Yeah. In there, if that's your thing. <laughs> I'm a little bit more passionate about snacks than most people, so they might not see it as such an adventure to try a different flavor of Slim Jim besides Slim Jim brand, but yeah, there are some things out there that might be worth finding. You're never going to know if you don't try. Yeah, I could probably rattle off about a dozen different Slim Jim flavors without even <laughs> trying too hard. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of sad, but it's true. <laughs> it is sad. When I say it out loud, it, it's worse. <laughs> just echoes in the silence <laughs> and you start questioning life's choices. <laughs> exactly. That's all a huge mistake. Convenience stores are, are handy, though. What are some of the best road trip snacks, do you think? I think right off the top of my head, I've already said Slim Jim, so that's a given, but combos are really good road food. I would agree with that. I think the they're easy to handle. You're not going <laughs> to drop them. Uh, they're not unwieldy if you have one hand on the steering wheel or maybe both hands on the steering wheel if you're going 10 and 2 or 9 and 3, whatever they're calling for now, uh, for your hand configuration on the steering wheel. You can just take the hand off for a second, grab a combo or two, and pop them in your mouth and keep on driving. I'm usually a one combo at a time kind of guy. Well, yeah, I, I don't have a com combos in my mouth, like more than one combo. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, I understand that. I think combos because it's a combination of a shell flavoring and a filling. Uh, not every combo is worth its salt, though. I've had some combos that are straight up gross. Yeah, anything with blue cheese, that's with life, though. Uh, <laughs> that's a personal like. preference. Some people love blue cheese, but I do not like it nope. either. Keep my cheese any color but blue. I don't like blue food as a rule. <laughs> no blueberry pie? Well, that's more... Purplish, kind of. Well, fair enough. I don't want to, like, totally go back. I want to defend. I have to <laughs> stick with it. <laughs> Purple berry pie. Mm. I do think that combos are good. A seven-layer dip, not such a good flavor oh. either. Or a uh, road food either, if you're trying to eat <laughs> Yeah, seven-layer dip would be a particularly <laughs> terrible choice for uh, road food, I would think. <laughs> yeah, combos, seven-layer dip combos, though. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Not, <laughs> not good. No bueno. <laughs> Right. I think you got a good cheese combo or my personal favorite, pizzeria pretzel combo. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the green, look for it in the green bag. That's the one feed right there. It's always tasty. Another good road food I think would be corn nuts. Yeah. 
corn nuts. I always like the barbecue ones. The, do you, uh, do you eat those one at a time? Yeah, well, no. <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> I can usually grab a handful of those, but boy, they are. They make their presence known. Those things are aromatic. If someone's <laughs> eating combos, everyone's eating combos. And co- corn nuts. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, corn nuts. I should say. What are they? Combos? You did I say combos. I kind of like combos on the brain. Yeah, corn I can have to get you some combos. <laughs> I tell you what, I know what I'm doing. Right after this episode, I'm going to go to the convenience store and get combos and have myself a grand old time. But no, corn nuts are very uh, aromatic. That's the word. Yes, absolutely. And a, um, uh, I think... Um, um, you know, that, that one is another snack where you have some hit and miss flavors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Barbecue, I think is what I typically go for there. I am a fan of barbecue too. Barbecue potato chips. Um, probably my number one snack, not necessarily my number one road food though. No. Now corn nuts can be a little bit unwieldy. You, you can drop those between yes. the seat and the, the floor pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Uh, what I'll like hot fries sometimes. That can be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Got to have a drink with that, though. It's very important. Most of these snacks, I would think you would need a drink with. Uh, hot fries, you know, as the name suggests, can be very hot. And it, I don't know. It seems to vary by the bag how much hot dust <laughs> they put in these things. That's true. It's, uh, they don't have a lot of good quality control at the factory, wherever it is. So. Somebody needs to talk to Andy Cap. That's right. He's the, busy. The folks at Tom's. Drunk on the couch or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a comic I never really got. We no. can talk about Sunday morning comics another day. <laughs> no, but that could be a whole episode right there. Handicap. Wow. Horribly, um. horribly unfunny they are. <laughs> Some, most of them are. You know, yeah, I mean, I, there's always the odd exception. But, uh, I mean, a lot of these, at least the, the comics that I grew up reading in the, in the newspaper, I, I don't know that I ever really enjoyed all of them, but that's another th- subject for another day. That's right. That's, we'll uh, solve that problem. You could read comics on the road, but I would always get a headache as a kid when I tried to read in the car. Oh, and me too. It just wouldn't happen, especially curvy West Virginia roads. So you're just begging for it. Yeah, that's something else you need to think about. If you are car sick or prone to car sickness, probably you just want to steer clear of the snacks. Maybe a nice ginger ale to settle your stomach on those windy roads. Or just try to sleep. Uh, that is something that I did enjoy doing as a kid, getting back to the how do you pass the time. If you're a kid and you've already played enough of your iPhone or Android device and your uh, your battery's dead, you can always take a nap. It's really yeah. easy. Yeah, that's, it sounds easy, but maybe we sound like we like it because a nap sounds really good. I think <laughs> naps never sound good when you're four or five. Yeah, what is that about? Youth is wasted on the young. They get this opportunity to nap, and they don't want it. And as adults, I would like to take more naps, and I just don't have the time. That's right. I've got too many things to do, like record these <laughs> enjoyable podcasts. Well, I enjoy doing it anyway. Yeah, and it's one of the... Uh, what about some of the worst things about road trips? Well, I think the journey is just one of the overall negative things There's about just it. no joy in the journey for you? <laughs> Getting there is not half the fun? Getting there is not half the fun. I wouldn't say that's true most of the time. Uh, Certainly, that's true on the way back, because on the way there, you at least have the excitement of trying to arrive at your destination. When you're going back to your house or your apartment or wherever, you don't have that same level of excitement because the fun activities that you experienced are over with, and you're going back to, quote-unquote, the real world. I agree with that. There are some people I've heard, though, that say being on vacation and they have remarked, 
oh, I just couldn't wait to get back to my house and sleep in my bed. And I never understood that because I thought, I, I sleep in my bed and in my house most of the time anyway. I don't miss it. I guess when I was younger, I got homesick sometimes, but uh, that doesn't really happen too often anymore. I mean, I miss my parents. I miss my friends in uh, Indiana. I'm in Florida right now. and Friends in West Virginia, too. Friends in West Virginia, but I don't know. I don't, uh, I can't say that I get homesick or that getting, I can't wait to get home. I, if now, if I'm on a business trip, and I'm staying in a hotel, and the bed is not particularly comfortable, and I don't have the, all the quote-unquote comforts of home. Or then I could get the point of, oh, finally I'm back to my house, and there's my bed, and it's comfortable, and everything is laid out just the way I like it. Whereas that's not the case when you're certainly on a business trip, or even when you're on vacation. Uh, your family can make things as comfortable as possible, and our parents are more than accommodating to what we need. We are probably a bit more spoiled than most when it comes to that. But <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, you know, it's still, still not your house. You, it's not laid out the way that you want. And right. You just you kind of have a, it's, it's comfortable. It's a rut maybe, but it's a comfortable rut. It's, com it's cozy. <laughs> yeah, you make a good point there. And we will be traveling, most of the time when we travel, we are traveling with a, an extra passenger named Crypto, a Puggle which is a half pug, half beagle, and all adorable. He is a pretty cute little pup, if I do say so myself. He's ten and a half, and he... He's ten and a half years old? I just don't know what you mean, ten and, oh, ten and a half years old. Just, yeah, yeah, okay, years yeah. old, not inches longer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Feet tall. I don't know why they're ten and a half is, you know, diameter. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> but he has ten and a half teeth. <laughs> no, no, but he, he's a good little buddy, and he's kind of a, he's a contradiction. He loves to get into the car to go on car rides. But that's where it ends. Yeah, but he hates car rides. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's always excited. He's wagging his tail. He's ready to get into the car. If he could still jump, he, he tore his ACL a few years ago and had yeah, a couple surgeries. Like one of the NBA finals, I think, is when that happened. <laughs> I yeah. think so, yeah. Yeah, he had an injury in the, uh, the game six. It was just tragic. Uh, but no, he, he's, he's a good buddy, and he's recovered mainly from that uh, torn ACL. He still limps a little bit when he wants to go fast, but if, you, if he goes slow, then he'll, he'll use all four legs. But he, he's a good traveling companion. He just doesn't like car rides. No, he's all excited when he gets in the car, but then finally when he realizes that we're actually going somewhere, that's where the fun ends <laughs> for him. He decides <laughs> he, he mostly stands the whole trip, which I don't quite understand. I guess he just can't get comfortable. Sometimes he'll actually lay down, but he doesn't sleep much at all on trips, which is the opposite of what he normally does. He typically sleeps, I don't know, 16 to 18 hours a day. Yeah, he's, you know, he's a, a, a pillow for most of the day, except when he's hungry and he needs to go out. Yeah, he's, he's not the uh, most active dog I guess you could have, but I really didn't want an active dog, so I guess it works out. I'm not super active myself, <laughs> so I'm not judging. <laughs> it could be uh, resembling his owners as masters. And I don't want to call myself a master of a dog. <laughs> I always think, like, when I hear master, I think slave, and I'm like, he's not my slave. Right, he's my little buddy. But he's not my fur baby either. I don't like that term. That's just very creepy to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't, not my fur baby. He's my dog. That's right. And that's good, that's good enough for me. Yeah, and but he does make the trip a little bit more challenging. Uh, he needs to stop and relieve himself uh, uh, more times than uh, I think would be typical of your average person. Yeah, that's definitely true. 
and he wants to, uh, you know, he, we have to bring along food and bowls and make sure that he gets fed and watered throughout the trip as well and gets out just a chance to stretch his legs, if nothing else, because, as David said, he's, he's standing a lot of the trip, and uh, even though we have a bed, we have a, a place for him to lay down. He will lay down some, but most of the time, I think he just kind of wants to look around and see what's going on. You're very, very curious dog. He is, and we've done several things to try to make the trip more comfortable for him. There have been times when we've had a cage that we put him in. He, he cannot stand cage if that's a recipe for vomit for him. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Yeah, he just he would get sick if we put him in a cage. That doesn't work. We've tried Benadryl or speaking to our veterinarian with regards to how to sedate him or make him more comfortable during the trip. Sedate sounds... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> drug him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. And uh, nothing seems to have worked. He doesn't seem to react at all to any dose of medication that we've been able to throw at him with regards to making him sleepier. No, it's just a cross we have to bear, that he has to bear, and we have to live with, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Overall, I think he's a very good travel companion, but he does complicate things a little bit. But it wouldn't be Thanksgiving, wouldn't be Christmas without him. And, you know, who knows how many he has left, not to bring it down. Oh, the, uh, <laughs> Depressing me now. Yeah, right. So I didn't mean to, but uh, who knows? He might be only halfway there, another tw- 10 and a half years, uh, and then uh, he'll be 21. That'll be the oldest living puggle that I know of. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really uh, placing any bets on that one, though. Yeah, afraid not. That would be nice, but uh, it's not in the cards more than likely. But he is good to travel with. Sometimes it's fun to have a pet, especially if you're traveling alone. I would think a pet would be preferable than traveling by yourself because you'd at least have another animal to interact with even though they can't necessarily speak back. Right. You can talk to them and they'll at least pretend like they understand. <laughs> they'll give you the head tilt and you can kind of convince yourself, yeah, he understands what's going on. But enough about road trips. I think we probably beat that poor thing to death right now. Yeah, if you're taking a road trip, just, you know, we encourage you to be safe and to have a good time. Yeah, always. Now let's move to something just a little more ridiculous. I was looking at uh, Facebook the other day, and there was a story from McDonald's, and I thought, oh, I like McDonald's. What's McDonald's doing that's new? And they are doing something very interesting, but very weird reasoning behind it. They're going to start offering table service across their U.S. stores. Now, that is not something that I would expect from the Golden Arches. Right. I mean, because basically you're leaving the realm of fast food at that point. Right. This is not something that they should be known for. Certainly not table service. is not their strong suit. So why are they doing this? Well, that's the part that really bugs me. It says they're doing this to make the ordering process less stressful. Less stressful? Less stressful because, you know, ordering some nuggets and fries is just uh, (laughs) so stressful. (laughs) Yeah, it's like really preparing for a Calculus 3 exam. Exactly, or, you know, something almost like going off to war, just the stress that you would experience (laughs) there is, you know, ordering a filet of fish and... Dr. Pepper is is <laughs> at least equally <laughs> on par. Yeah, you know, you can probably suffer a little bit of uh, that PTSD, I would <laughs> think, from a bad exp- ordering experience. Exactly, and you'll freeze in your tracks next time. You won't know what to do. Now, what they're really doing is they're putting in ordering kiosks 
little uh, machines, little with screens that you go up to and you press what you want and you pay right there and then you get a number and you sit down and the employee brings you your food. And I think this is really a move on McDonald's part to say, hey, let's replace some of our employees with machines because machines don't get sick and we don't have to pay machines and we don't have to give them benefits. I think that's the real reason. And I wish they would just come out and say that. You're right. This is something that I think has been coming for a long time with regards to taking some of the employees that are traditionally seen in the restaurant to take your order or to even greet you or or any of the other uh, roles that, you know, for good or bad, can be done as well by a machine for the economic benefits to the company that you just described. Exactly. And I think this is a response on their part because they're losing customers, uh, they're not keeping up with changing tastes, and they're kind of in a tough spot because they can't really keep up changing tastes because people go there and they want McDonald's food. They want nuggets. They want their classic hamburger and fries. Sometimes there's nothing that will do other than having a McDonald's burger and fries, and whether it's because they get you when you're young and so you have good memories Mm -hmm. baked in automatically and you just want to relive those memories through food or what have you. McDonald's is very good at providing a consistent experience throughout the country, no matter where you go, or even around the world. I've been to different McDonald's, and it's always the same level of quality. McDonald's fries taste like McDonald's fries in America, in Ireland, in Turkey, uh, everywhere that I've been, in Japan. Yep, all over. The McDonald's, McDonald's, and McDonald's. But I can't imagine what a McDonald's um, with table service is going to look like. Yeah, it makes me think of that song. Uh, Ron Wiener. Yeah, Ron Wiener. Yeah, the world's most fanciest McDonald's. Right. Uh, Which is, (laughs) you talk about an obscure reference. Uh, If you can ever find, uh, Google it, uh, the world's most fanciest McDonald's. Uh, It's amusing. Yeah, he's definitely got an odd sense of humor. Um, I'm looking for it right now online. I can't come across it, but maybe we can put it at the end of the episode or maybe a future episode, we can bring it or up. Or make it a bonus content on our uh, website or y- Facebook or something. Absolutely. That's a better idea. We can yeah, drive traffic. Yeah, <laughs> drive traffic to these social media outlets. That's right. And, and we'll do it. In other news, uh, this is interesting. Uh, if you are a fan of Disney, and I think I mentioned in our initial episode that we are fans of Disney. Diz nerds. Diz nerds, yes. And one of the things that is nice about living down here is we are able to experience some of the more, uh, I wouldn't say obscure, but the uh, second tier maybe uh, experiences that aren't necessary to enjoy Disney, but add a little bit of extra if you're into that sort of thing. It's not just the parks. Right. One of the areas... Uh, around Disney that is getting a lot of run nowadays is Disney Springs, their shopping complex. That's where the Disney Quest was that we went to a few weeks ago. And they are adding a new holiday show around this area. This sounds fantastic. What's it called again? It's uh, Star Bright Holidays, which is kind of an odd name, but uh, maybe not. It's an, by the way, I have to brand it. It's 
Starbright Holidays and Intel collaboration. Yeah, Intel probably put down some big bucks, so they're going to be unhappy if you do not throw that in there. Right. If it's going, if it probably somewhere in the show will feature that. <laughs> Maybe I, I, you never know. That was the Intel theme for people who don't know. Oh, I'm sure they all know. <laughs> My best approximation of the Intel theme. It's probably nothing close to that, but uh, there you go. A little no, bit of a... I, I'm pretty sure that it might be an improvement. I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if they bring out new commercials <laughs> and they just somehow single out that clip and lift it straight out of our podcast <laughs> and put it in the commercials. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, that was for you guys. <coughs> but uh, the, the show is going to be interesting. It's going to be a show featuring 300 drones. Now, when I talk about drones... Like bees? <laughs> right. They're going to have trained insects. No, they're going to be these drones that are electronic contraptions that you can sometimes see. Uh, there's a lot of news about drones nowadays with regards to the federal aviation, the FAA, uh, you know, permitting them or not permitting them around certain areas, around the nation's capital. And these drones are going to be flying around in unison to create patterns in the sky along with specific music that has been designed around a holiday theme or a Christmas theme, basically. Yeah, I believe they released a little teaser trailer for it. And and while his Oh Christmas Tree is being played in the background, we see these drones lighting up green and slowly revolving in a circle in the shape of a Christmas tree. And it's rather impressive. If that's just... One of the teases, I wonder what the finale is going to look like. That's a good question. I've seen other clips that show them in the shape of a dove to, I guess, symbolize peace. Yeah, I would say that's probably what they symbolize. Probably not <laughs> doves. Yeah, I think that's a good choice. Uh, I think this is something that is going to be rather impressive. It's going to be done at their Disney Springs area. It's going to be done, I think, a couple of times a day. Yeah, starting November 20th, I've got the story in front of me. It's at 7 p.m. and at 8.30 p.m. It's going to be from November 20th through January 8th. Bob, I'm sure we'll get down there sometime to check that out. Oh, I think so. I'm looking forward to seeing it. This is something that I think has been in the works and something that I wanted to see for a long time. Something that... And I think you've talked about this as well around the 4th of July. It would be nice to see actual shapes from the fireworks that spell something or it's clear what the, the shape is. Right. And I've seen the technology has slowly improved. I've seen happy faces now mm -hmm. successfully done. But, I mean, you can't exactly have a huge red, white, and blue flag waving. But I think drones would allow for such uh, advanced images like that. Right, so who knows, this might translate into other holidays as well. They might do hearts for St. Valentine's Day. They might do a flag for the 4th of July, Independence Day, clovers, or shamrocks, I guess is the better way to say. Shamrocks, yeah. Right, all the Lucky Charms symbols they could do, really, <laughs> if they right. wanted. If they put their minds to purple <laughs> horseshoes exactly. for some, I don't know what day that would be. Yeah, I don't either. Red balloons. <laughs> right. there are, there's already a red balloon at Disney Springs, so they, they, they're one up on that. This is something, though, that I think is going to be really neat. Um, Disney, when they do something like this, they usually do do it well, and this probably will be no exception. I, I don't know what in the best you know place to view that would be. Um, I got another story open that I think talks about where it's going to be. 
I think near the uh, Saratoga Springs uh, section. Well, that makes sense. I think there's some water there that can have it out over the water. Right. Uh, definitely it's going to be over the water. And I think they actually got special permission to, to fly drones. Well, yeah, you want them to crash into people's heads, like, you know, get <laughs> <laughs> hit their Mickey ears off their noggins or whatever. Right. It's, it's only 300 drones, and apparently they take off near the airport, near the, not the airport, near the parking lot of the Cirque du Soleil, uh, La Nuba, uh, Disney Springs, and fly over and do their show and then fly back. The, the drones are, are pretty small. They're about, the less, they weigh less than a volleyball, about 280 grams, and they're not quite as wide across as the average human man. Now, I've seen some human men that are pretty wide <laughs> across. I don't know if I'm a, uh, above average. <laughs> right, yeah, I, you know, one lives in my mirror. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know uh, what, what width that is. I don't know why the story couched it in such vague terms. Uh, well, and why metric terms, too? What's 280 grams? I mean, I can figure it out, yeah. but I'm lazy. I like, don't want to. Yes. Tell me ounces. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> or just tell me how many stone it is. <laughs> right, yeah. So it, but if you are around the area and you are inclined to view that, uh, we would, uh, I would say check it out. It's probably going to be a pretty interesting uh, show. And if we do check it out, I'm sure we'll report back and let you know exactly how it looks. Well, crypto is scratching at the door, so it's time to go. Oh, isn't that sad? You know, another one's come to an end. Yes. If you enjoy the podcast and you want to help us out, here's something new that you can do. You can subscribe on iTunes. Yes, technology. We're finally catching up to technology. It's only taken us four episodes. And you can leave a five-star review, and that will be a huge help and a way to spread the word. You can also send us a uh, Twitter. Follow us. Pack Brothers Podcast. Why do I say send us a Twitter? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> you did say that. I don't know what that means. like an old man. Uh, send us your Twitter. <laughs> that's right. Or you can like us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash packbrospodcast. Yeah. That, that's a P-A-C-K-B-R-O-S podcast, by the way. Right. And if you want to send us a question, you could also email us. We have a Gmail account now. You can go to packbrospodcast at gmail.com and you can send us an email. Maybe if you have a question for us that you'd like us to answer on the show, you could send it along and we could do our best to answer that. Or say, hey, talk about something this, that, or the other. and We will entertain <laughs> all requests. Right. They stop talking about snacks so much. There's more to life than snacking. I don't know. If they ask that, they'll probably fall upon deaf ears. <laughs> yeah, if you're asking that, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast because snacking's our thing. <laughs> Exactly. All right. How about we uh, go out with another uh, traveling road trip song? All right. That sounds good to me. I think it's a good idea. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. All right. Thanks for listening. Loose and fancy free. 